But the mindset coach, first call I had with him, he asked me to shut down my business two months before COVID hit. And I did that. <laughs> I took his advice. I did that. I And his rationale was unless you climb down that mountain that you mastered, you won't be able to climb up another one. And going from, you know, management consulting to senior vice president to buying distressed uh, single family foreclosures is not where you want to be. And you, you belong somewhere else. You need to create a 1400 company. Is Hemel Badiani from Exponential Equity. And today we're learning about the, I think, most important skills for real estate investors to have. Hemel has a background in management consulting. He did that, did that for 15 years all around the globe with some major names that he's going to you know, say in the show. You just got to keep tuning in and learn who he worked with. And he brought those skills to the real estate investing space and has scaled his real estate investing company from zero to $100 million in assets under management in 15 months through COVID. And he tells us about a couple of case studies on properties that they acquired during COVID. Really interesting stuff and how they've kind of pivoted the business to adapt to the times as the market has changed. Even through COVID, the real estate market has shifted and he ha- he and his business partners have adapted their business to really focus on a particular area. And this really is all about the most important skill that real estate investors can have, which are people skills. He built and honed those as a management consultant. And today he's teaching us some of the most important lessons that he got out of that experience. So great stuff. You're going to learn a lot. If you'd like to learn more and potentially invest with us on a future deal, just go to investwithtaylor.com, fill out the form and schedule a call with me. I will look forward to speaking with you then. If you're an Apple Podcast user and you enjoy the show, please take a moment and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you don't mind, you guys. I appreciate that so, so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys. I say this every time and I mean it every single time. That gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see your reviews. I get to see that you're tuning in. I get to see that you're learning from the show. And that just excites me so much. That keeps us going here. That's our rocket fuel here on the team to keep us going. No matter what podcast app you use, if you do enjoy the show, look us up and hit the subscribe button. That way you'll get every new episode every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Once again, our guest today is Hemel Badiani from Exponential Equity. Without any further ado, here we go. Hemel, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here. It's been a great conversation so far. You have a very interesting story, both before getting into real estate and then now as a real estate investor building your business. For our listeners out there who don't know about you and your background, can you tell us about what you do now and then where you came from in the business world as well? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm the CEO of Exponential Equity. It's a real estate investment company based out of Charlotte, North Carolina. We are 10 people strong uh, company with three divisions, essentially multifamily and self-storage existing acquisitions to typical 30, 40-year-old buildings that we buy uh, by gathering a pool of investors and, and renovate and rent those out. Uh, and beautify the the community and the people's families that, that that are living there. So that's the first division. The second division is new new development and new construction, mainly in the Charlotte area. So we've got multiple self storage, multifamily, townhomes, 
communities that we're building, uh, really giving back to the community in, in Charlotte, North Carolina. And then uh, third is uh, just land or raw piece of land. You don't make that anymore. So buying uh, land and uh, working with the councils and cities to understand that growth plans and really helping it rezone to so that ourselves or someone else can come and build something out of the ground. So those are the three divisions we have. And uh, we started uh, the, the company itself on 1st September 2020. That was our first asset buy in, uh, in the art of COVID. And uh, we went to from zero to close to 100 million in the last 15 months. So super exciting growth journey that we had. So that's where we are currently. And, and my background has been uh, in management consulting. So 15 years across three continents, helping everybody from Disney theme parks to the Vatican across a couple of dozen Fortune 100 firms, uh, then in the financial space. And over the last four years, I built a, a, a number of businesses. I quickly realized that my superpower, for, for lack of better words, is I'm not a new ideas guy, but if I find an idea, I can really help scale it, build a team, and really institute processes and rigor and structure to it that allows it to be work in a more than a transactional fashion. So, you know, over the period of time, over the last four years, I built an outsourcing company, then a private lending firm, then a single family real estate firm. And uh, just before COVID hit, I started uh, dabbling into the, the commercial space. And uh, here we are. Nice. I love that. And before we were recording, you were telling me about your professional background in management consulting and you know, b- being able to build rapport with people. And I'd love to dig into how those people skills have helped your real estate business since real estate is such a, a people business. I mean, first, it's a it's a people business yeah. more than anything. Yeah, and I, I would I would even extend that to every business in the people business, Fair right? So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, the... the the consulting environment is very unique, right? You you are always playing at, in someone else's field, right? You're always, almost always at a client site. So that's the first thing. You, you're never in your home turf. Um, so you, you have to be, you know, and, and there's a wide spectrum of people. Some some might like you, some might not like the, the, the things you're about to say or the things you're about to do in terms of action for the company that has hired you. And so you have to be able to build rapport with a wide variety of people. That's one. Second thing is you have to be super flexible because, you know, they, they are hiring you. You're a service provider. So you need to be catering to their wishes by being firm, diplomatic, but also being flexible on what, what needs to change, what needs to be there. Just as real estate investors, right? Some people might have money now. Some, some might want to have visions later. Third thing, you always building new teams. Every time I go to a new client, I might not have the same resources that I had or team members that I had in the previous client. So I'm, I'm not only going into a complete new environment, complete new town, sometimes complete new country or continent. You, you're building a new organization of people that have to be inspired by you, respect you as a leader, knowing that they're performance and their promotions and, and bonuses and everything is dependent on, you know, working with you and delivering successful outcome, but also your perception of them. So having that kind of skill of true servant leadership, right, he, he being, being able to eat last, work the hardest, you know, have their backs, their uh, the people that are working for you and their careers in mind all the time, along with your customers' Uh, vision in mind all the time. Yeah, like Zig Ziglar says, if you 
allow enough people or you uh, enable enough people to achieve what they want, you'll get what you want, right? So you really have to put and lead from behind almost uh, through those uh, elements. So those kinds of soft skills of reading five people who might be jumping in a room where you're trying to present a $400 million PowerPoint presentation <laughs> on a project and who is, who's going to like it? What kind of style do they have? Do they like details first? Do they like to have the answer first, right? Different people have different style and digesting the information. Those soft skills over a 15-year period of time just get ingrained to a point where I don't think outside spreadsheets and PowerPoints, even now, right? I, any, anything... Even our decision to move from London to Charlotte, <laughs> my wife and I had to build a spreadsheet of pros and cons <laughs> and, you know, whether it's uh, closer to family, what kind of lifestyle do you have, what kind of friends you have, what kind of weather you have. And we had to wait and ranking to those aspects because that's how you, that's how I evaluate things now. Nice. I like the the analytical uh, mindset. That's I think that helps us make well-informed decisions. Now, yep. it, it sounds like from what you're saying, though, there is there was some, at least in your experience, some development of the soft skills over time as you practiced and continue to get better and better. No doubt you were good at it in the first place, but you okay. sounds like you built your skills over time. And, and if that's right, how would you say, you know, that that has helped you work with others, especially, you know, in the real estate space? Yeah, in the real estate space, you know, if, you, if you're just trying to do one or two transactions or a handful of transactions and not trying to build a real company, then, you know, you're just dealing with different people at different times. When you're trying to build an organizational entity, you have to kind of mirror it almost to a, a Fortune 100 type of organization in my mind, right? And what does that mean? You have to uh, work, we have long-term vision with a long-term set of people, right? Who are in the game with you uh, through ups and downs of this market cycles, through ups and downs of transactions. You have to create a culture and environment where your employees are inspired by the vision that you create and are willing to work with you and create something that's bigger than all of us combined and have a path of progression, et cetera, et cetera. On the client side, any investor, you basically, they are your customer and the, the customers come first, right? So understanding their needs, what type of, again, different people want to have different levels of details, how you communicate, how do you report on your performance, what level of transparency uh, that you cater to, and including your projections, numbers, uh, the people that you build relation with. Our organic growth, like our average investor, invests with us three deals, uh, which is not typical, right? Um, so that level of credibility is established when they really invest in us more than the, the project. They know that we can take care of that investment. We have a very solid team of operators and a very high level of competency in the divisions that we've created, the verticals that we've created in the company. And they know that they can pick their phone and then my phone is on their speed dial on anything they need to ask at any time. And that allows that instilling of confidence to be able to work with us for multiple projects at a time. So that those things have really helped us build an, a foundational organization that we can just now scale. Awesome. Well, you know, scaling goes well with the name exponential equity. And you've had really a an exponential growth curve in the time that you've you've been in business. And I, I'm curious how you got past maybe the, the question of 
track record, both in the eyes of investors, but there's also you know, commercial brokers involved who want to know that you'll be able to execute on a transaction if you get a property under contract, especially at the beginning when you, you know, didn't have anything under contract, right? So yeah. how did you, you know, especially initially, you know, build up that, I suppose, reputation or, or get people confident that you were going to be able to uh, deliver on, on what you were promising? Yeah, we we took our own sweet time while we bought the property in the first September 2020, right? Right before COVID hit, we started passively investing. My partner and I, Yamesh Delibala, who runs the operations for the company, and I, we started passively investing in multiple deals, five or six uh, in the first few months before we bought our own. And so that was, you know, A, putting our money where our mouth was, B, trying to evaluate consciously is, because if you do that 15, 20 times, in theory, as a passive investment, and then recycle that money every three to five years, which many people would like to do, you can create an amazing lifestyle, passive lifestyle and lifestyle by design, and have a really healthy cash flow coming in over a period of time that allows you to live that lifestyle and, and then have that sense of freedom and, and constraint-free type of environment. So, it, you know, one fourth came for us where we were like, hey, do we continue investing passively or do we really want to build an organization? And if you want to build the organization, we really need to spend time on uh, the structure. So competitive intelligence from all the operators uh, that we invested in with, how do they communicate? How do they report? What kind of property management, asset management, all of that they do. So we had a lot of firepower over the last, over the few months that we were deciding that we want to go into this business actively and you know, open a, an organization. The second thing we did was we we were like, okay, in September of 2020, if you remember that that four or five months was in 20 last period of 2020 was when real estate sellers were really scared. The market was really in ambiguity because you know, the capital injection from the Fed government wasn't there. And, you know, what's going to happen with COVID and supply chain issues, et cetera, was at, at the heart of everyone's mind, right? So there was a little bit of retraction in terms of number of projects and deals. So we got lucky with that level of flexibility to start our business. And the third thing we did was the, the first hire, essentially, or minority partner we brought to the table was the, our director of acquisitions, Casey Keenig. And we realized that at that stage, if we can find director-seller, I'd be knowing that the brokers won't take us seriously, if we can find a director-seller type of entity that we can directly communicate with and purchase a deal of, we'll be in a very good position. So Casey really helped us find a, an asset that was at, at a deep discount out in Tulsa, Oklahoma, 280 units, <laughs> which we bought for like five and a half million. Now it's worth 14 million. And uh, that that really, that unicorn really set us up from a momentum standpoint where we, uh, over the last hundred days of 2020, closed three deals worth 400 units, right? So that that's that the combination of right timing, conscious attention to what we were actually building, and then having someone, you know, everything that you want to learn, you can spend five years and be an expert on. But my philosophy is to have someone that is already an expert in that division and just continue growing and expanding. And that's what we've done with the other divisions that we'll talk about as well of the company. Nice. So I do wonder in that way, you know, you've grown pretty quickly and, you know, over your previous professional career, you worked with, you know, a lot of larger businesses, some pretty prominent ones. And as companies 
grow quickly, especially in the beginning, uh, how do you avoid you know getting ahead of your skis and 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 just acquiring too much for your either team or systems or what have you being able to just absorb and handle and manage you know the assets you acquire? How do you think about that? Yeah, you you have checks and balances, right? So some of the things we do uh, as a company to to help avoid that, or as much as possible, is processes, right? Well, Casey, when when he looks at hundred deals a month, he would reject ninety of them just because of the initial criteria that we've set up. We 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 don't like that. The ten he would like, maybe two or three underwrite properly. Those three he will bring to the table. We we spend three hours every Monday night as a team on a call uh, and kind of evaluate things where we are around Robin on all the divisions. And one of the things we do is just walk through and Casey's donning the lawyer's coat and he's trying to present the case. And my CEO's job is to kill the deal. And Casey's job is to make the deal more meaningful. And so, you know, the CEO is asking what's the insurance looking like? What's the property tax chain would be? What, what happens if this happens? What happens if that happens? And really, if the deal doesn't get killed at that stage, that two-level filter that we've created allows us to be very disciplined. So that's one thing. Second thing we do is at a quarterly basis, we do a SWOT analysis, so strength, weakness, opportunities, and threats. As a whole team, we gather together as a two-day strategy session, dissect each part of the business, from marketing to technology to all the verticals, and really understand where we need to be and what the next 90 days look like, the rocks. Um, and then third thing we do is just keep a pulse on the market, right? So we, our first few acquisitions were 200 units and above. And, but once 2021 hit and the fear of COVID subsided, we were like, all right, we're getting outbid on these 100 plus units. And it's a ridiculously priced environment from our vantage point. Some people can buy it, some we cannot with the returns we ex- our investors expect. Um, so we started doing two things. One, we expanded into the development space because we can build at the same price, even with material price increases, what the 30-year-old building costs, right? Or in, in terms of purchase right now. So that was one thing we had. We had Brandon Maxwell, who owned a residential development firm in Charlotte. He, he, he aspired to the vision I had for the company and he sold his firm, joined us as the director of development. Um, so we had a new entity who, um, and person who brought tremendous experience in that space, land and uh, new construction. Uh, and we started doing projects in that space. And in the multifamily space, we said, well, 100 plus units are just out of our way. Let's start capturing smaller assets. They're not, they're not too fancy. You can't post about them too much, but you know, at least we're getting them at 60 a door versus 150 a door that we would have to pay for the similar type of assets if it's 150 plus units, right? So in the grand scheme of things, if the music stops, you're still disciplined enough to to go through the downturn in a very disciplined and systematic manner and come out at the top of the other end. Nice. I just, speaking of uh, replacement costs and all that, I just made an offer on a property the other day that we did end up winning where with all the costs it took to fix it up and everything, it's going to ultimately, it went for more than it would cost to just right next door, build the same thing brand new. It doesn't, some of this stuff doesn't make any sense. You have to be disciplined right now. It is insane. And then it'll continue for a period of time. It just, we don't know when it'll stop, but every three months we will evaluate. And if one of the division of the company is to slow down, uh, while the other one needs to be more aggressive, that's what we'll do. Totally. So 
We also talked about you know, your long-term vision for the company. It's still relatively new, right? The relatively fresh company, but you've done all of these you know, acquisitions and it sounds like you have a, a pretty well-defined or well thought through roadmap for you know the the foreseeable future. I don't know the time frame whether it's a a decade or or more, but what is that time frame for you? Yeah, you know, it, it, I I don't put things in time frame. I just like to get it where it it, it goes. Right? It could be mm-hmm. two years. It could be ten years. It doesn't matter as long as most of the steps we take are positive. That that's how I like to see the company from a from a long term vision standpoint. But we, we do, the, the vision is to be that premier one-stop shop in the Carolinas, right? And this is our market. Charlotte is a very strategic place. If you draw a three-hour map, circle around Charlotte, you get Raleigh, you get Winston-Salem, Greensboro, Wilmington, North Carolina, Greenville, South Carolina, Columbia, South Carolina. Six or eight very strategic, super booming markets. Um, so as we enter new construction, why not construction management as a service, right? To other providers, as we are looking into, you know, acquiring more and more smaller assets, why not property management as a service for us and as a division for other uh, property holders who want to have a very uh, competent property management company. So a, a fund for ourselves, we have invested a lot into our processes and software and underwriting model at an institutional level as we reach out to private equity for some of our larger projects, there is that level. And then there's always a level of giving back, both from an educational standpoint and then, a, you know, exponential giving is what we want to build as an organization for all things giving back real estate, right? So giving uh, buying land for tree planting or, you know, pe- paying people's tax foreclosures and helping families that way in the Carolinas. So it's a, it's a flywheel almost of all things surrounding real estate and ancillary businesses. And it's still, in my mind, limited because you could go into supply chain. You can buy, you can have lumber companies and you can have roofing companies. And there's so much in the real estate world, ancillary businesses that you could build at some point. Absolutely. And they could, they could really all scale. Now, I, I note that, you know, now as you've kind of, I don't know, moved forward in the business, however you look at it, you're, you're focusing on that three hour radius around Charlotte, but that initial acquisition was in Oklahoma. Was there like a conscious decision? I would assume there was. At a certain yeah. point, you said no more of this stuff in the you know Midwest or whatever. We're focusing on this area. What did that look like? Yeah. So again, it was 2020. The the COVID scare. Uh, our first property we bought in in Oklahoma. Second one we bought in Louisiana. Third one in Illinois. And the fourth one, finally, the, the largest one we have yet, 246 units. That was in Winston Salem, uh, north of Charlotte. So the first four, it was just, hey, can we get a uh, deeply discounted property that we can knock it out of the park because if we are a young company, every investor should be able to say word of mouth, whoever invests with us, that this is the best deal you're going to get to these guys because they bring projects that are just amazing. And that was the goal, right? Uh, but when the fear subsided, you're like, this is our background and the barbecue in our background in Charlotte and surrounding areas is just amazing right now. And it's going to be for the next five, 10 years. Why not build our relations here with the local communities and council and brokers and all the things that we could do? There's always going to be money to be made in Texas and Arizona. And we looked at huge projects, 45, $50 million deals in, in Texas that we could potentially procure. But that, that was a bit of a stretch for us to build something when we're looking at construction management, property management. It's just easier to drive down 
to Winston-Salem uh, in an hour and look at a property and pay a surprise visit to our assets, et cetera. Nice. I like that. I think the focus is very beneficial. And, you know, I've seen particularly folks from from California investing in the Midwest kind of get burned because they don't really, they're not there, right? You're not at yep. the property. It makes it a lot more difficult. Yep. We, we love California investors who bought properties in Charlotte. And so <laughs> <laughs> we'd buy with them any day. Nice. I love it. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. The first step to growing your wealth is tracking your wealth, income, spending, and everything else about your finances. You can start tracking your wealth for free and get six free months of wealth advisory with personal capital by going to escapingwallstreet.com and using our link. Create your free account today and automate the way you track your money. Personal capital is my preferred way to track my finances, and now we're making that available for listeners. Terms and conditions apply. See the personal capital website for details. Once again, to get the offer, go to escapingwallstreet.com and use our link. Back to the show. All right, I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? I am. Let's do it. Great. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? Hiring a mindset coach. Uh, that was the best investment of 2020. I had my residential, quick story, had a residential real estate business, uh, which was making tremendous amount of profit, but I wasn't enjoying it. And I had the opportunity to scale it from nine employees to 90 if I wanted to. But the mindset coach, first call I had with him, he asked me to shut down my business two months before COVID hit. And I did that. <laughs> I took his advice. I did that. I And his rationale was, unless you climb down that mountain that you've mastered, you won't be able to climb up another one. And going from, you know, management consulting to senior vice president to buying distressed uh, single family foreclosures is not where you want to be. And you, you belong somewhere else. You need to create a Fortune 100 company. So that that advice really took off my commercial real estate career, and I'm forever grateful that I made that decision. I dig the mountain metaphor as well. If, if I can ask, what's the name of your coach, if you don't mind? Yeah, his name is Jason Drees. He's, uh, I think if you follow Bigger Pockets, Brandon Turner's coach as well. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah, yeah. So I, I stalked him on Instagram for a couple of months before. I'm like, yeah, this, uh, this dude resonates with what, what I want to hear at that season of my life. And uh, that's how I hired it. That's interesting. Just today, I saw uh, Brandon post about him, and I don't think I'd ever seen Brandon post about him on Instagram. So it was a funny coincidence. Interesting. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Awesome. Well, we had the best investment. Now we go to the other side of that coin, the worst investment. What is the worst investment you ever made? I mean, I, I, there's no worst. I, I take every investment as learning, right? I've had spectacular failures, uh, <laughs> and that's just part of, Me too. Part of the journey. And I, I'm always grateful for the six-figure failures that I had that, you know, saves me from seven-figure failures later on. But specifically, I mean, last year itself, we had this, uh, like I mentioned in Texas, uh, we had this $45 million deal that, you know, was going to be our largest acquisition, 500 units, and establish us in Texas pretty heavily. And uh, turned out to be the sellers, you know, cooking the books. And we found out, oh. you know, quite a bit into the due diligence phase. And so we walked away from it and uh, it, it wasn't a pleasant experience. And, uh, but a tremendous learning on 
our due diligence checklist became triple and it allows us to bring better deals to our investors from that perspective. So overall, a great learning experience, but a, but a spectacular failure at that, at that stage. Did you end up, I uh, assume you had some kind of earnest money on that. Did you end up getting it back? No, no, we we were in the process of mediation on that. Oh, wow. Well. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. My favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? I, I, the most important lesson is every time you take a step back, you take two steps forward. So enjoy every season of your life. Maybe too often we, our brain starts hitting us with you know, you don't spend time too much time with your family or you're not doing enough on your business or you could do this more or you could exercise more. And there's that little chatter going on all the time. And if you just take a step back and say, your best is different on different days and you got to be do your best every day and enjoy. Uh, that allows you to be a pay, at pace with the universe and enjoy every experience, good and bad, because those are the ones that you, you're supposed to enjoy. Nice. I love that. I don't know about any listeners out there, but I needed that message right now. And I certainly appreciate that. And I want to thank you for joining us today, bringing us so many great lessons. If folks want to reach out, if they want to get in touch with you, if they want to learn more or anything like that, where can they track you down? Absolutely. So uh, you know, our website is exponential-equity.com. And uh, my email address is hemel, H-E-M-A-L, at the rate exponential-equity. Dot com. They can reach out to me anytime. I love to talk to people and I love to talk real estate. So yeah, happy to connect with any one of your listeners who might be thinking about passive investments, active investments, or just curious about real estate in general. Nice. Well, Hamill, thank you once again for joining us today. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars, if you don't mind, guys. I appreciate that so, so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys. That gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street casino along with us. If you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them into the tribe. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. I hope you have a great rest of your day and we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.